exciting, Jim. But not as we know it. This is big. It is 2 minutes past 12pm on Friday the 11th of November 2022 and you are listening to the Bashcast. Coming up in the Bashcast this afternoon. Exactly how does a four-year-old beat a bad guy in fighting? Um, A realistic look at the last six weeks or so of betting. A summary of how bad the lucky 15s have been and how good the football coupons have been. The World Cup 2022 edges and angles that we're going to be looking at in-house at Bucky Bashing. Don't be one of these three guys three guys that have particularly pissed me off and a few tracker updates we've got some version trackers some technology at bookiebashing.net all of that and more coming up this afternoon on the bashcast What do you do to defeat bad guys, bud? I kill them! You kill bad guys? How do you kill bad guys? But tell me with words. I actually, I punch them and then kick them. All the bad guys? Yeah. I punch them and then I kick them and I push them onto the floor. How old are you? Four. Four years old? And that's how you kill bad guys? I pinch them and then I pinch them and then kick them in the tummy and then push them onto the ground. All the bad guys? Yeah. Now, what if it was a really big bad guy? I, I would still punch them and then kick them and then push them onto the floor. I've got to tell you something. What? I have to tell you something. What? It's very important. So tell me. I'm going to tell you. Listen. Are you listening? Yes. I have to tell you something very important, buddy. Yes. Are you listening? You keep on saying it so I know what it is. You keep on saying it. No, okay. I have to go outside and fight a grown-up. Who is his name? Jeff. Oh, I've met Jeff before. <laughs> and he's got a son who's four years old. I can't even defeat four years old. Because I, I, I need a good scan in their face. So, I'm going to go and fight him. Will you come with me to fight his son? I just need to have a goon and smash it into his face. And then kick, I'll punch the man and I'll kick them and I'll slam him into the floor. Okay, so we're in now, are we? What's your favourite thing in the world? Jeff. Jeff's your favourite thing in the world? Yeah. Uh, if Newcastle were 1-5 to five tomorrow against Chelsea, would you bet on them? I would, I would say, everybody, yeah, England win. Well, England win the World Cup? Yes. Do you think they're going to? 
Who's going to be the top scorer for England? You. Me? Yeah. Well, I might not be in the squad. Will it be Harry or Raheem or left-back Kieran? You. <laughs> You're in England. Okay, buddy. Um, can you tell everybody that they should just be uh, betting at 101 and higher? I can't remember what you said, so sorry. Okay, can you can you tell everybody to bet on value? Everybody. No. What do you want to say then? I pee. I poo on baddies' heads. Your wisdom is that you poo on baddies' heads. Yes. Well, this has been lovely, hasn't it, Ewan? Yes. Big high fives. Instead of pooing in toilets. I poo on bad guys' heads instead of pooing in toilets. Has anyone ever tried a caramilk? A caramilk from Cadbury's? Have they, and I suspect, have they been around forever? They might have been. Oh my God. I can't get addicted to this at my age. So, my diet and exercise regime is fairly decent, right? So, generally I'll try and do an hour's worth of cardio six days a week and um, strength training, CrossFit, high intensity stuff on top of that. And I learned a long time ago, my early 30s, that the key to getting older well is moving, lifting heavy stuff, keeping your heart rate going, and eating fairly well. So I'm drinking tonight, and I feel like every time I appear on a Bashcast or a live video special, um, I am drinking. I think it just coincides. Like, I've had six days off booze, and now tonight I'm on Vocation, the classic IPA, 6.5%, and a caramilk. The caramilks are unbelievable. They're so tasty. They're so tasty. And here's what I do. I will I will get to Monday. I won't eat on a Monday, the whole Monday, like nothing. Like I have coffee, I don't have any. I have coffee extra black, extra no sugar. It's a zero calorie coffee. And that gets me through. And I generally have two, maybe three days of zero calorie days during the week. And then on the weekend, I couldn't give care less. I'll just eat what I want. I'll drink what I want. Uh, and as an old school alcoholic, I sort of curb the alcohol Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday hits and I'll have a few. So today's Friday, I'm having the vacation and then Saturday will hit and I'll have a load and then uh, back to normal on a Sunday. It's probably not, you know, optimal athlete diet, but it helps me regulate the calories and I feel fit and healthy doing it. And then I found caramilk. I don't want to know how many bloody calories are in caramilk. But now I'm on a sort of cycle of eating a caramilk on every day that I'm eating. And I guess if I could just strip the caramilk away, I could probably just eat every single day and consume the same number of calories over the week. But they're so tasty. I want to talk about... Uh, my gambling because I fear that I waffle on too much about theory on the bash cast and don't give too much practical advice actually on that subject um, we've opened up a clinic because what I've done is um, some people have not become I, I guess disheartened isn't the wrong word but don't don't kind of understand how the, the big picture of maybe professional gambling works and so I 
have suggested if you want to have a 15 minute chat with me and I'm going to ask you about what you're doing and try and give you some advice from my experience not that look I'm not the world's greatest most successful most profitable gambler I'm just someone that found a number of edges over a long time and made some money out of them enough money you know to be comfortable so I've opened up these clinics and if you want to um, have a 15 minute with me then get in touch with Vivi the the uh, the bookie bashing girl that's organizing this on my behalf but um let's have a look in particular about the bets that I've been on um well today's the 11th of the 11th so 11 days is probably too much of a small sample size let's go back to the beginning of November uh, October so since then if I can give some precise figures let's Let's go precise, shall we? Um, I am with a few things to be collected and logged. If I sum that up, eleven thousand six hundred and seventy-four pounds and fifteen pence in profit in about five and a half weeks, which is neither here nor there. It is what it is. But um, I, what I want to really focus on is explaining where that money's come from, how I've what I've been betting on, how I've been betting. One of the things that I wasn't betting on was last week. So uh, I I recommended through both Bucky Bashing and Weekly Golf Value that people bet on Russell Henley in the um, in the WW Technology PGA event, and I also went for Darman and one other Harmon, I think. They're not in front of me. I do know they were about 45 to 1, 50 to 1, and 60 to 1. They came 1, 2, and 3. I was on Darman and Harmon, the guys that came 2 and 3, and wasn't on Henley. I try and be on everyone every week um, through... I don't have online soft bookmakers, but what I do is I try and get on in shops each way. I try and get on on the exchange to win, and I try and get on in DraftKings teams. So if the shops aren't offering value on the golfer that I want to be betting on, hopefully I clean up a little bit, you know, $100, $200, up to $500 um, DraftKings tournaments. And if they win on there, then I'll be probably making a return unless the rest of the guys are doing particularly poorly. And last week it was a one, two, and three. And um, also on the exchange. And one, two, and three is like, I think I've done one and two four or five times before. Not very many. Like, like publicly, I've bet on nearly a thousand golf tournaments, but only putting these bets up publicly, maybe 250 to 300. I've only had one and two a very small number of times. I've never had one, two, and three. And I was watching it, and I was very aware that I wasn't actually on Henley. Um, it, these things happen. Like, I'm, I'm often, I'm sometimes not on bets that I'm very public about being value. And I'm sometimes, well, I'm very frequently on bets that I'm not public about being value. Henley was just one of those guys. I tried on the exchange to trade him at a higher price. He didn't go. I got distracted. I did see that his price was dropping, which is the whole point of this. If we were beating the closing line. 
tried to trade him a bit too high again. He didn't get matched and then forgot about it. And by the time it was in play and I had noticed, I didn't didn't have any reason to think that the in-play price was a plus EV price. So I just didn't bet on him. And I didn't have a DraftKings team in because life got in the way that week. I was planting a tree. I was out planting a tree for my buddy Carl, um, who passed away at my age. Uh, a couple of years ago from early onset Parkinson's disease. And um, we've just been, we were out planting a tree in the back of a pub for him and um, life got in the way and I couldn't really focus on betting. We couldn't make his funeral incidentally because uh, Matt Hancock told us that we weren't allowed to go to funerals of our friends nor stand two metres within our loved ones. And now he's, you know, he then had the extramarital affair and he's now in the jungle isn't he? I'm an evening widower in that I mean that I've got two little kids. Um, my wife goes away for work and so I tend to sit in by myself a lot of evenings. Perfectly happy. I've never been a, been a big TV watcher, but I've tuned into I'm a Celebrity because of Chris Moyles, who I always listen to on the radio thought was pretty cool um and it's really interesting watching matt hancock in there he's not a celebrity he's a cunt so uh a few of the sort of things that have gone my way recently we talked about the andalusia with um adrian otahui at 50 to 1 i've been doing um around in the region of 20 to 30 football coupons a week the football coupons have been crazy. They really have like gone on quite an upswing and a very welcome one because they weren't returning much during the summer. They were pretty dire during the summer. The graph that I have in my team is just so fantastic. It's like up, 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 small down. Up, 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 small down. Really up, 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 small down, small down. Up, 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 up. I like it. So it's just like there's been no, there's been no bad runs, which is fairly ridiculous to tell you the truth i mean you, you usually get that uh, let's ha have a look how hot i've been running so i have made about five grand in five weeks and i have staked to make that uh, six rounds six thousand four hundred and ten so if i just do a little equation here uh something like that in that region i'm about 30 percent roi it's about double the ROI that I normally expect. But the weird thing about the coupons is that I've had no big winners and no, and um, um, well, yeah, obviously I've had full busts. Full busts are part and parcel of the game. This is mostly betting seven teams um, in trebles. But the, weird, the just the weird thing is, a lot of the time you get like full bust, full bust, full bust, full bust. I haven't had that. Uh, it's only thirty nine coupons. It's not the biggest sample size in the entire world. But the 40% ROI, I'll tell you what's been smashing it. Um, it's the score both halves coupon. In the, in the middle of October, it was Inter, Napoli, Larty, Sordiford, Panathinaikos, Shamrock Rovers, Lech, Poznan, and then at the end of October, uh, 20 Besiktas, Man United, Rakow, Adana, Demi Ray Sport, Sirius Molde. Um, you know, that, that was um, seven teams. Five pounds a treble was one hundred and seventy-five pounds at William Hill, returned one thousand two hundred ninety-nine quid. I've just had a lot of, and then a, a few days later, um, Leeds, Burton, Charlton, MK Dons, Exeter, Celtic, mostly in the EFL Cup. 
1,077.91. Look, I mean, and then like a couple of days later, Brentford, Leicester, Sheffield United, Bradford, Liverpool, Torquay, Celtic. The weird thing about that, that, that was only £6.48 out of 175 quid. So returned 850 quid. But it was um, three losses on that. And there were three really short price losses. It was Liverpool against Derby, Brentford against Gillingham and Sheffield United against somebody I don't remember. But um, the fact of the matter is Bradford was 9-2. Torquay was 11-2. Where they both score in both halves, you just really need one or two other teams to be returning. 700, 800 quid. And then any other team were in Disneyland or in high sort of 1500 1800 range and then you get a couple you're in 3000 4000 range and the weird thing about the coupons is that that kind of sinking up of six teams or seven teams hasn't come in um well we have had one seven teams but that was um uh, um the seven teams was pretty low all of them were low odds so it's not seriously impressive that they they all came in kind of like a sort of six to one coming in on 175 pound slip um but it's like we've been so close to that two three thousand pound payout and just ending up with one thousand instead because only four or five of the teams are winning and it's fine that's the weird thing it's like we're doing well and yet we're so close to doing even better so um just for it's the the score both halves coupon has been utterly smashing we've also had some success with the win to nil and the two or more goals and team to win but i mean both of these at betfred and um william hill um just like i'm ramping up the coupons because i don't know it's like it it, it they just it's it, you know when you're betting and you you feel like something is really really easy everyone drink um, I feel like at this moment in time, coupons are just a really, really easy thing to bet on. Um, I'm just going to run through quickly the names of the coupons that we're betting on recently. Hopefully this works. It's the winning 2 plus, winning BTTS, long list pushes, uh, some more long lists, some more winning 2 plus. Um, and then we came into the seventh heaven, win to nil. Um, the BQS, I never know, that's the quick slip. Bumper quick slip, isn't it? That's the independence. Team to score both halves. I talked about just smashing it. Um, goals galore, bonus. Score both halves, match result in three or more. Stuff like that. Two of the ones that we've been looking at in the background. I've been looking at... Um, is it the... It's like the GG Extra coupon at Betfred where they offer 92 for a treble. And that's three matches to go BTTS. Uh, and then they offer set odds on the fourfold and the fivefold and the sixfold. So monitor a couple of those, and it turns out there is value. I was using the Bet Builder coupon tool just to load up all the games into the same coupon as is on the football coupon, and then I can quickly sort them. And what you want to know is that um, let's imagine you have the cube root of nine to two as the payout for every team. That's the back odds for every team. Can we order that and get the top treble as being less than nine to two? Answer yes. Um, it was about 5.5, 4.9. And then we noticed the actual value wasn't in the trebles. It was in the quadruples and the eightfolds next, just the way they round up the odds. So there's um, certainly value in that BTTS coupon. We looked at uh, an over goals coupon, a total goals coupon, over 1.5, over 2.5, and over 3.5. And there's 
value in that and it was held as well well it was really big held where was that was that betfred or willie mill i don't remember maybe i think it was betfred and um a team was um three to back and 2.7 to lay literally to lay like we've got our calculation where we're going to come up with the liquid over 3.5 price miles before the exchange does on bookie bashing and we did and we were like well this is three to back and 2.7 to lay or fair odds, uh, sorry. Um, and I looked at the exchange, and the exchange was completely illiquid. So it's like no one notices this. But I wonder if it's still held in shop. And I went, we went to shop to test it, and it was, and we bet on it. It came in as well, um, which, by the way. But the thing is, um, um, when the market got liquid, I was like, well, now the market's liquid. Surely it's cut now because arbitrage players will be hedging it and i wanted to know we went to shop and it was still held all the way up to kickoff despite the fact that you could lay 2.7 on the exchange and it was 3.0 on the coupon I'm, I'm i'm amazed that that opportunity exists i was kind of disappointed as well because i was like bookie bashing does that thing where we estimate the odds ahead of the exchange getting liquid so i hope that we find opportunity first and by the time everyone else is scrambling around for peanuts, the uh, the back odds have been cut. So these back odds weren't cut, which kind of means that everyone can get on them if they want to, which is sad because I don't want everyone to get on them. Anyway, whatever. Obviously not too many people are looking in that direction. Go ask Khan Berry. See what he thinks. So um, what are we going to test in the future? I'm going to test some BTTS coupons a few more win coupons at William Hill and I'm going to test the over goals. Now bear with us. Um, it's not just that we have to go and pick them up and type them up and test them. That's kind of easy. Getting into a routine of doing it week in, week out is the hard part. Um, we have to set them up in an optical character recognition, which involves that thing called artificial intelligence, which is where the robots are all taking control and messing with us. Other than coupons... My lucky 15s have been dreadful. I mean, utterly, just really bad. Uh, and I'm going to come back to the lucky 15s. So let me... But if you've had a bad time, I've had a bad time. Everyone's had a bad time. But that's what happens. Sometimes favourites win. Favourites win, we don't get any value. You know? It's just the way, So it's the, it's the same in almost every single market at bookmakers. If favourites go through a run of winning, then bookmakers lose money to recreational punters. Uh, and the two people that are down at that point are recreational punters, uh, sorry, bookmakers, and professional gamblers. When favourites win, recreational punters win. When favourites lose, bookmakers win, and professional gamblers win, generally. Um, few good, um, well, it was a good day. It was the 20th of um, October. We saw Nunes... Uh, as value for Liverpool as a striker at five to back for DDHH and 4.4 with the neutral odds. I had 200 pounds of Nunes in Betfred shops, in a single Betfred shop, if you're wondering. That's not multi-shopping. At the very same visit, uh, Almiron, Miguel Almiron, the world's greatest football player, was 11 to 1 for Newcastle to score first. So we got 100 quid on him, we got 200 quid on Nunez, both of those on the 20th of October. He was um, 12.0 fair odds. We made him 10.72 uh, DDHH. But take that with a bit of um, 
pinch of salt. This isn't just your average 12, 10.72 bet. I mean, there's a lot of more things in play. Because you're betting on him and you're hoping that he scores first, and he did, and we won £1,100 when he scored first. But um, if he scores another, and he's got the entire match to do that after he scored first, there's another 1100 quid added to your profit. Or another 800 quid if Nunes scores first, because I had 200 on him at 4-1. to one. So there was plenty of opportunity there. Unfortunately, neither did score a second goal. But that was £1,900 out of DDHH on that single day. Now, someone said, and I, I never criticise people from this because I possibly don't have the same perspective as people staring at the tracker. Someone said... Um, the majority of people that are on the tracker are void, right? So I found that interesting. So I had a look. Um, how many people? So what happens? Or we monitor every single player in every single team for player expected goals, and by dividing player expected goals by the match xg we come up with some utility function for first goal scorer price we also know the odds of them scoring two and the odds of them scoring three and so we can work out the neutral odds for ddhh and we do this automatically and push it to the tracker is it 100 percent accurate no does it have to be no it's a decision support tool that highlights potential value it's what it is what we don't do is we don't cross-reference against um, team news. So a substitute could be pushed to the tracker. I'd love to do it. And we've searched for APIs that would tell us what the team news is and we could cross-reference the players, which is a ball ache in itself because players are different synonyms at different games, especially the bloody Korean players. Hong Son Min and Son Ming Hong are the same people. Um, so very frequently the bot is pushing people that, to the exchange with no idea if they're starting or not. Um, we pushed 387 plus EV players to the tracker from the 13th of, sorry, 13th of November when we started doing this to the 2nd of November. It's 13th of February, sorry, to the 2nd of November. So, what, nine months or something like that. 356 players have been pushed to the tracker. Of those 356, 137 have been void. I mean, that's pretty big. That is annoyingly large. I'm not happy about that in any way whatsoever. What is that? Three, that is... Doing some Excel maths here. 37% of people that we push the tracker are void. Don't play in the game. Um, so I can understand why my man was saying that the majority of players um, are on the bench. I can, Especially since I, I had a look at it when he said that and actually a period of time had, had gone through where it was like every single player, one after the other, uh, Bayou, Galvao, Darko, Hiracho, Alario, Broja, one after the other, void, void, void. It was seven voids in a row. And I get it when you see seven voids in a row. You're like, everyone's bloody void. Um, there are plenty of people that do start. Um, two, exactly 250 people have started. 
of those, only 20 have got first goal scorers. So like 230 have lost out of 250. And I've also seen people dip into this and say, well, they're not making any money. And I also expect that, yeah, if 230 of 250 bets have lost and you weren't on the correct 20 bets, I understand how you were losing money, right? So, And only four of 250 have been double delight, which is way under, incidentally, the expectation, and only two have been hat-trick heaven. And that is a poor performance from expectancy of 250 bets. When we get to 1,000 bets, it will be better, I promise you, there will be more first goal scorers. I mean, the average odds is not 10 to 1. So, um, what is the average odds? Let's have a look at the average odds. Just got to go the average odds of the non-void people. That's the thing that counts. Um, give me you, but say that you're not void. The average odds, what do you reckon it is? I actually don't know. Although I know it's under 10. Um, yeah, there you go. It's not under 10. It's 11.3. Um, okay, so actually, now that I see that, FGS does tie in. <laughs> um, but the DD, I don't know, like 4 of 20 FGS has got a second goal, 2 of 20 FGS has got a hat-trick. It is still under expectation, and even with that, um, it's an ROI of 19 plus 19.57%. So you've staked 6,671, you've got 1,305 pounds profit back. So... Just little things like Nunes and Almir and happening in those same days were decent returns for us. And then um, there's the obvious golf where we had Kitty Armour and Von, Von Diddles, Von Dellingshausen. But listen, I want to talk about this one. Here's one that I didn't have on the tracker. This is like an easy bet, and I'm going to be doing more of the same this weekend. Um, so anyone can do this, but it's very hard for bookie bashing to do sort of at scale and for it not to be cut. The rugby internationals have been going on just now. And I ha have a few personal kind of like rugby models around um, tries and converted tries and penalties and stuff like that. And mostly very soft markets that do not take a lot of liquidity, hence the fear of pushing a sort of mass market model um, away. But this is the simplest model ever, right? So have you got a team? And if you have got a team, and certainly we've now got group trackers where you can share bets with your team at Bucky Bashing, and I'll come back to that as the last segment in the Bashcast today. But if you've got a team and they're in the shops, it's very worthwhile in um, in rugby betting to open up all of the internationals and have a look at specifically the William Hill, the Betfred prices. And occasionally you might come across that one of them is an outlier price or top price. And I had a look at England versus Argentina. And um, at William Hill, um, Joe... Cocker, Cock and Singer was 9-1 to one, and he was 7-1 to one or 11-2 to two, and some places 6-1 to one across the board. And he's 9-1 to one at William Hill, which means he's available on SSBTs. Now, I don't know how to price up the probability of 
English rugby players getting a try or even getting the first try in the match. I'm sure it's not easy. I don't know how many training teams are doing it. But what I do know is that if the price is two nicks above everyone else and you just bet on that consistently, it's kind of cheating, but it's fair game cheating as well. So I asked my runner, can you just put 120 quid in him because that rounds it up to a nice grand 1,080 quid? And he did. And yeah, Joe Cockenesigua got the first try against Argentina. Argentina went and ran out in that game 30-29. So there's that. I mean, that kind of bet, we don't put that up on bookie bashing because it's not sustainable. You know, too many times we put up that William Hill are outliers in the first try score in international rugby, then one day we'll come around where William Hill are never outliers on international rugby. So we can't share it, but it doesn't mean that the one of the easiest tactics in the world, whilst we're doing coupons, whilst we're doing golf, whilst we're doing DDHH, whilst we're looking at offers, whilst we're looking at, you know what I mean? Is that just, you know, is the rugby going on? Well, odds checker is the place where we can actually work out, can we go and bet on anyone? And generally, if Betfred or William Hill are top price, and there isn't four or five other bookmakers that share that top price, because in that scenario, you've got to think, well, you know, one trader priced it, everyone copied, and there is margin to be added. But if one bookmaker or two bookmakers are just up here, up here, and then everyone else is a lot lower... It cannot be a bad strategy just to think that they've got that price wrong. It doesn't mean that the bet has to win. The fact that the bet did win just shows that things have been particularly good for me since the beginning of October. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, If you are interested in how I've been doing and what I've been betting on, then... Um, that's a quick summary. I wasn't on Henley. I am on Tony Finau. Now that I've say, said his name, he is, I think, what, four or five shots in the lead. The last time I checked, I'm now looking. He's 13 under. Patrick Rogers is nine under. So after two rounds, he's four uh, shots in the lead. A little bit early to call it. But um, I really feel like things are um, turning from, you know, I came back to betting in the beginning of September after the summer off, and it was a downwards graph as soon as I came back betting. It felt pretty miserable because, in all honesty, after I withdrew everything and I started depositing again, it didn't feel like house money anymore. It felt like my money, and I wasn't too comfortable with the amount that's been losing. And total bragfest, everything's just been winning. I've gone from a a position where things shouldn't have been losing as frequently as they are to a position where things shouldn't be winning as frequently as they are. The only thing that has been sucking is uh, the lucky 15s and the horses. And if anyone else has been on those, um, it's, um, it's not fun when so many favorites win over and over and over again. There is one particular guy I'm not going to name any names, but every time a losing run hits, he starts asking if we can tell him the truth. Have we changed the algorithm? What have we done to the code? Because he hasn't had a winning day in two weeks, in three weeks or something like that. And it's almost like, you know, (laughs) don't be that guy because the maths are straightforward. Right, equity can be in on our side, but you need to be aware of how long losing runs can go on for, even when equity is on your side. Good bets 
can lose and bad bets can win. And good bets can lose over and over and over again. Um, now, when the sample size is large enough, then come back to me. But when you've been losing for a couple of weeks because the favourites happen to have been winning at the beginning of this particular horse racing season, ugh, just don't come to me with that. the FIFA 2022 World Cup next week um, there's a FIFA documentary on Netflix called FIFA Debunked or something like that something like that Netflix FIFA let's um, let's google that it's so good alright I've been an evening widower this week where well, I don't have much to do in the evening I'm looking after my kids my wife's away FIFA Uncovered it's just so good. The corruption, how self Blatter got into um, power and just how Qatar, this ridiculously small Middle Eastern nation, ended up with the World Cup in 2022. I've been through a few betting World Cups in my time. Um, before that, by the way, I've just, just finished another little, little cutoff from my caramel bar. The two greatest things in the world right now are a caramel bar red wine is one I'm going to open up a Michelin star restaurant and the only things I'm going to serve are a quality French red wine or Australian or Californian and a little sliver of caramel and I'm going to make a million pounds and the second best thing because I don't have any red wine in the house because I drank it all <laughs> is a caramel bar and beer listen um, there's a few World Cup edges floating around. I've, I've done a little blog. The blog's really for people that have never been betting before. I want to debunk a few and confirm a few that I'm aware of, of betting around the World Cup. So we're a week before the World Cup. As usual, I don't really normally get involved in tournaments like this until about a week before. So some people get involved a long time before. I don't have the attention span for that or you know, the, the wherewithal, the the desire to get. But when I do get involved, the, the reason being when I do get involved, I want to surround myself with as much information as possible. That's why. Betting is a, is a problem with incomplete information, right? So um, we want to make the jigsaw. And obviously, when you're doing this early, everyone has incomplete information and there is an edge there. But I prefer to wait to, to around about now. So I have. So let's talk about the very first edge. Um, I ve I, I, if, you, if you're around sharp betters for a, a long enough period of time, someone will bring up that it is easy money to bet the unders in major finals in UEFA finals, Champions League finals, World Cup finals. And it kind of makes sense. Let's have a look at the scores since 1990. 1-0, 0-0. Okay, 3-0. And then 2-0, 1-1, 0-0. One, one, in 2010, nil nil in 2014. I mean, zero goals there across four years in 180 minutes of World Cup finals. You've got to think, well, look, I mean, as time has gone on, football has changed. Have you ever compared goal of the month in 2002 with Yeboa taking a screamer off the crossbar from 40 yards out to goal of the season in 
2022, completely different prospects. And the reason for that is that football clubs employ statisticians now. And quite frankly, taking a strike from 40 yards out isn't acceptable. If you do that too many times as a football player, you're going to get subbed. You're not going to play. I played, I have to say, a football match last night. Um, There were way too many young people in this match for my liking under 20 year olds i'm 44 years old i haven't got a single chance when they when they turn me and run of catching up with them um but what i do have over them is that generally you're you're bigger and stronger when you're 44 the the, the peak physical strength of a male human being is 44 years old and i am 44 years old right now you you should never be stronger in terms of the ability to put on muscle mass as you are when you're 44 and i spend a lot of time trying to put on muscle mass so i feel like i'm a strong enough guy i know what my deadlift is and um (laughs) certainly playing against some of these 17 year olds last night i know it's a bit a lot bigger than theirs even though they're faster than me right but um um one of the one of the guys um did me and i tried to tackle him i ended up putting my studs through the top of his foot which would have been painful turn around called me a wanker and kicked me had to do the old man thing of calm down young man but got my comeuppance where um um the ball was sent forward uh long ball from the goalkeeper the midfielder gets his head on it it loops forward i break through the defense the same guy is trying to tackle me i know he's going to be able to run faster than me so trying to beat him to the ball and run faster than him isn't going to be a tactic. So I just put my laces through it. I put my laces through the ball. Have you ever done this when you're playing football? I put my laces through the ball and I was a mile away. I was 34 yards away from the goal. The minute the ball left my foot, I knew it was I knew the goalkeeper didn't have a chance. And um I just I just and also you can give me a hundred attempts at that and I won't hit it sweeter as I did in that particular moment in time. And I did the Cantona. I did the, I, I, I stood there, I watched it go in, I knew it was going in, and instead of celebrating, I stood there with a puffed out chest. I was like, yep, yeah, that's, it's uh, where I'm coming from. So betting unders in the World Cup final. Um, should be easy with 1-0-0-0-3-0-2-0-1-1-0-0-0-0 because there you are in seven World Cup finals and the under 2.5 is hit. For six of those seven. Is that right? One, two, three, four. Yeah, six of those seven. But then you get to um, 2018 and France-Croatia and it's France for Croatia too. So what's happening there? Um, is this the end of betting unders in the World Cup finals? Is it an anomaly? It's none of those things. It's simply an incredibly small sample size and people have maybe assigned, I don't know, signal where there is noise, you know? They talk about pressure. They talk about the the weight of a nation on these young players' shoulders. There's no reason why they shouldn't be scoring goals. It really could be just be a sample size thing that goals hasn't been going on in. And even isn't if it isn't, if you're betting unders, why do you think that, you're more intelligent than the smart money and the syndicated money that is out there shaping the goal line to within an inch of its life. There's, I mean, the goal line for the World Cup final has to be the most targeted, shaped, liquid line in football. And you're telling me that you've got an edge 
in that market. You don't have an edge in that market. I don't have an edge in that market, right? Nobody's got an edge in that market unless you're part of a multi-million pound syndicated modeling team. So don't profess that you know more than them. The, the whole idea that betting unders equals profit in the World Cup final simply doesn't stand up. We had, um, I don't know, I'm not going to name them. You can go back and listen to every single guest that's been on the Bashcast. It's probably about 10 episodes. We had a guest on the Bashcast that said that one of his edges was, um, there was a player, I, I forget the player, but he'd scored two goals and then was injured and wasn't going to play another game. And under 2.5 goals in the tournament was available at, for example, 8 to 11 on the SSBTs. And given that he wasn't going to play another minute of the tournament, that was free money. Um, I don't know what I think about that kind of edge. That's kind of like, it's it's border, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that's fair game? I mean, the bookmakers should be on top of that. You could certainly argue, well, I didn't know that he wasn't going to play, but he did. So, uh, if you were a bookmaker, would you want... Customers coming in, taking advantage of that. On the other hand, can you be responsible as a bookmaker if you are sourcing your odds from another company, as all bookmakers are? Are you responsible? I I don't know where I stand on it, but it's certainly an edge. Just knowing, being aware of who's playing, who's not playing, injury risk and everything like that. Player player goals can be an absolute dream. They can be a minefield as well, especially where bookmakers make a lot of profit in football games is they offer not even value they just offer odds on players that may be playing 20 minutes but they're offering odds on the idea that they're going to play 90 minutes and then you find out that your players starting such as Haaland and he goes off at half time or not starting and coming on in 80 minutes in which case your bet is completely destroyed like that now of course I understand why bookmakers don't offer odds reflective of the risk of the player not starting that would be Harry Carey from the bookmakers. At the same time, I still don't feel like it's a level playing field when the team news is announced and you're still getting the same odds. Somewhere in the middle would be kind of the option to void your bet if the player wasn't going to start. Then nothing can really be done if the player starts and comes off at half time. The, yeah, you, the, 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 the punter has to suck that up. I feel like there could be a leveling of the field when um, the player doesn't start you could maybe can i can i just not have this bet or can i have enhanced odds or increased odds or something like that so um it's going to be interesting the player bets in the world cup like you've got your 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 striker who i don't profess to remember the name of for for saudi arabia but i was looking at him he averages 0.48 goals per game but when you look at the games that saudi arabia have played um, sorry, not Saudi Arabia, Qatar. The striker for Qatar. If you look at the games that Qatar have played, they've played against the Croatian under-23 team, Ghana, some B team. So it's like, okay, he's got 0.48 goals per game, but he's playing against some particularly poor teams. How the hell do you price this guy up to score a goal in the game? It's a fantastically complicated thing to do. So... Um, in terms of player bets, I always think 
from my perspective anyway, piggyback on the available information and look for discrepancies and outliers away from uh, the anytime goal scorer market. Use anytime goal scorer as a starting point. See what you can find in first goal scorer, two plus, three plus, stuff like that. You know? Um, I will be looking mostly at outright markets next week so just to go through some thought process of exactly what i'm going to do i plan i've asked them um, my guys to send me as much information as they can about group winner group runner up finishing last top goal scorer top goal scorer by country golden boot um stuff like that right um for top goal scorer by country I've got a basic fundamental knowledge of some countries. Um, for example, I'm very interested in Kieran Trippier. So there's a, 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 a scenario where England don't perform very well. They maybe, you know, beat Iran, draw with the USA. And is it Wales is the other team there? Yeah, draw with Wales. Um, and don't go through. And so maybe they've played three games and just, I know they're about 1.6 on the exchanges to go through just now, but there, there is a scenario where they play three games, they maybe draw two and win one, and that's not enough to go through the five points, and they go out. And in those three games, they've scored very few goals. Maybe they've scored two or three goals, and maybe just two of them come from set-piece specialist Kieran Trippier. I know he's Newcastle, but what I'm saying here is that it's not, in my mind, completely impossible that England go out with three goals, Kane got one, Kieran Trippier got two. What's Kieran Trippier top England goal scorer? 66 to one. Is 66 to one reasonable in the permutations of outcomes that could happen with England? Feels high to me. Haven't done the mathematical modeling and that's where we're falling down here. But what I'm saying is that when I do do the mathematical modeling, that's the kind of thing I'm going to be looking at. Not necessarily at England. You've got to take other teams. You've got to look at historically... How many goals have those players got for the country and club? Um, now that's a it's 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 a time-consuming thing to do. That I won't be doing it for every team in the World Cup. I won't be doing it for Tunisia. I won't be doing it for South Saudi Arabia. What I will be doing it for is I will be doing it for Argentina, especially. I mean, everybody focuses. Argentina is very messy, biased when it comes to the markets. So by that I mean. All the recreational players are betting on Messi. But if you look at Messi international with Argentina, he doesn't get that many goals, and Argentina don't perform particularly well with him. So who are the other players? And what happens if, you know, Group C, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Poland, what happens if Argentina go out of that group? What happens if Mexico and Poland go through and Argentina get very few goals? Who could be the guy that gets got? Is there a defender in the Argentinian teams that gets a lot of goals for his club, like a Kieran Trippier, free kick specialist or something like that? Maybe he's 66 to 1. There's got to be value there. So I'm going to be looking at teams like Argentina, France, Denmark, England, Netherlands, Spain, Belgium. Uh, Switzerland, Portugal, these teams that sound like they're good teams, everyone's betting on, you know, Christian Ronaldo, um, Gareth Bale, all the big players. And so the odds, you can just strike them off for value straight away and then look at the other players historically who are getting goals, who's getting goals in their clubs, 
who's set peace takers. And if one of those teams goes out early, then the guy that gets two goals could be the guy that's top scorer. He could be sitting down at 50 to 1, 66 to 1, 100 to 1 to be top goal scorer for their country, like Kieran Trippier. You know, I, I, I don't in a million years think Kieran Trippier is going to be the top goal scorer for England, but I'm using it as, as an example of 66 to 1 just, just sounds crazy. It sounds a little bit crazy to me. And there are teams out there where there could be value. So I'm going to be looking at that. I'm going to be looking at putting together some Markov chains. By Markov chains, I mean work out every permutation of the first round of matches for home draw win and then the second permutation of home draw win and then the third permutation of home draw win and bear in mind you know if you have a Poland against Mexico, Saudi Arabia and Argentina you expect them to beat Saudi Arabia you maybe no, don't expect them to beat Mexico and Argentina but if they beat one of those two they've got momentum and their odds in the third game are going to be shorter so we can see what the wisdom of the crowds think the odds are now, but as teams win games, those future odds get shorter. Predict them, see what they would shorten by, and see is there any value in using Markov chains? Um, who will win the group? Who will come second? Who will come last? That kind of thing. I can already tell you that there is just easy value sitting on the exchanges. Right now, um, the com the ball is Ecuador, Uruguay, um, Brazil, and Argentina, four countries. Now, it's there's no harm in assuming that the outright market of the World Cup one week before the World Cup starts is the most efficient market that you can find. So the prices that are being traded around those four teams are the most efficient prices. What's the all price for Uruguay, Ecuador, Brazil, and Argentina to win? Well, you take the decimal odds, take the reciprocal, which is one divided by the decimal odds, add those four things together, you now have a sum between zero and one, take the reciprocal of that. What's the answer? A comparable team to win, given that the outright market is efficient, is last time I checked about 2.74. You can get 3.3 at Paddy Power in shop. You can get 3.3 at Betfair Sportsbook. You can get 3.0 on the exchange. That's a three. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big value bet sitting on the exchange due to laziness and inefficiencies in the market. So these secondary outright markets. Provide a lot of value. You don't have to put a lot of donkey work. I mean, okay, top goal scorer by country. I'm going to have to go out. I'm going to have to look at these guys. I'm going to see how they're performing. I'm going to see what attracts me and everything like that. But there are various other markets where top goals, uh, sorry, top confederation, that's an easy one to attack. And just load up on it, you know? You load up on that. You don't think twice. And then if a European team wins, then so be it. You, you, you do that a hundred times and you will be in profit at the end of it. Um, mainly, I'm avoiding the outright market. I don't understand how there's an edge there. I feel like there is something in laying England at 10.5. But did anyone ever have any fun betting at 1 to 10? You know, if, if, if England's not a bet at 10.5, who is a bet? I don't have an answer to that. What I can tell you is that England are uh, six to one or seven to one across the board at UK facing bookmakers at eight 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 sport. They are 
a whopping 9.5 and they're a whopping 10.5 at 888sport.italy and this is one of those things where um, UK punters will bet England and so UK facing bookmakers offer a bad price on England and that is very true I think betting England to do stuff to beat Iran to win the World Cup to finish top of the group Harry Kane to be golden boot all of those blindly without doing the mathematics should just be avoided because you have to have in the back of your head that if every single recreational punter is betting on this then there is 0% chance that there's going to be value in that um so avoid those unfortunately there isn't a flip side to it so you should by proxy be able to see well i'm avoiding england does that mean that the other side is value and if you could if they're playing to the same over rounds it should but i couldn't tell you where it is whether it's i mean who's betting on iran to be england i'm not that's for sure so um it's a it's a study exercise, and my study exercise mainly starts this weekend. It's gonna, tonight is Friday, so Saturday morning I'm going to get up. I've got my runner to send through all the coupons for the World Cup, all the shop intelligence that's not necessarily online. I'm going to go through, I reckon, eight teams for goal scorer because I can't do... I can't do all 32. It's just too time-consuming. But I'm going to take about eight teams for goal score. Eight teams that sound like they could go out in the... That, could, that people think should perform well, but could go out in the early stages. Um, and I'm going to see how they perform. And um, I'm going to look at their goal scorers and see if I can find anyone outside of the top of the field that could present a little bit of value. And I think top goal scorer by country is certainly... a a market to be targeted one other thing to be very conscious of is um the number of goals scored per round in the tournament i had a look at this and there is it's probably not surprising but group games and this is since 1930 and perhaps i should have done since 1960 because if you look at the number of goals since 1960 it was an average of four goals per game all the way up to in 1930 all the way up to 1954 where it was like five and a half goals per game what a time to be alive that was and then in 1962 it dropped all the way to about 2.8 and it's been steady at 2.8 since 1962 so perhaps that would have been a reasonable sample size but regardless the group games um well what's the cagiest round do you think so you got the group the round of 16 the quarterfinals semi-finals final and the silly uh third place playoff right so interestingly if you just forget about the group it, it is an ascending ladder the round of 16 is the cagiest group uh there is an average of like 2.6 goals per game and the quarterfinals 2.8 and the semi-finals 3.4 and the final 3.6 believe it or not in the third place playoff 3.9 and i think that's because in the third place playoff they don't care there's no pressure the pressure has been taken off but the cagiest group is the round of 16 and the group stages are higher than the round of 16 and the quarterfinal it's almost like in the group stages there is this addition of teams that 
you know, the, an imbalance of competition. There is going to be some thumpings going on with your Saudi Arabias and your Ghanas and your Qatars. And then you get to the round 16, it should be a little bit more competitive. And they're so cagey that the the, the under goals seem to be something going on there. The quarterfinals, it gets bigger. The semifinals, it gets bigger. The final, it gets bigger. So one thing to bear in mind is when you're looking at over action probably the best times to be doing it are believe it or not the final and the semi-final and a little bit of the group stages and a bad time to be looking at it is the quarterfinal and the round of 16 another thing to be very wary of is that well one big edge that we have at betting on football is coupons coupons in the world cup and coupons in the euros doesn't really work particularly well one of the reasons is that coupons work very well when lots of teams change price at the same time and in the world cup the matches are mostly concurrently uh, the last group uh, game in every group the last game in every group is consecutive meaning in group a the last there's every team plays three games the last game plays at exactly the same time and that's to ensure that there isn't an edge given to a team so maybe a team might know that both the teams know a nil nil draw will get them through they'll play to a nil nil draw so for that reason they play consecutively but other than the last game of the group stages every game plays concurrently meaning that we don't benefit from simultaneous teams steaming in or not it doesn't mean that the coupons won't provide value but what we're going to have to do is look for value outside of the world cup you know, hopefully there's some lower division European football going on where we can elicit value. Um, from a purely selfish business perspective, goddamn, am I not looking forward to the player bets? Because um, as synonyms go, the Koreans have absolutely no international standard for whether it's first name second name or second name first name song hong min or hyung min sun uh, we've got to link all of these guys from saudi arabia to ghana to every bookmaker that's going to be fun trust me it's going to be a lot of early mornings but the player stuff should be okay and in play betting is the other thing and in play betting is something that we've never offered an edge at bookie bashing because we don't have the um technology to get the latency correct but sit there and watch a match understand what the pre-match odds were and then see what the possession and territory and shots on target and shots off target and shots are after half an hour is it completely evenly matched were the odds pre-match one-sided do you think that the in-play odds have made the necessary adjustments for what you're seeing in play Personally, I think in play is one of the bigger edges if you can come at it with some experience and a little bit of confidence. That's the World Cup 2022 and the angles that I'm going to be taking. You can choose who you want to be in life. Um, as you get older, your personality changes, I think. Probably because you become more secure or insecure. I don't know. So, don't be a dick. Don't be a knob. Be a bit understanding and be compassionate. I'm going to talk about three people that I've been coming across recently that I wonder about how how I could react to make 
the point across clearer or better, but they negatively impacted my life, and I wonder how to deal with them myself, right? One of the things I've actually done at Bookie Bashing recently is I've tried to be more compassionate, and by compassionate, what I mean is I understand that we have some fairly complex tools that I've built a lot of them. Uh, I've built a lot of them for my betting, and some people see them. They don't know how they work, and I get that. And another thing is that occasionally things get calculated wrong because it's an outlier or a weird scenario. And it's something I would understand, but if someone sees odds that appear wrong or a calculation that appears wrong, I get I get that because they didn't build the tool that they would be confused and would question it. And so one of the things I've wanted to do is do a clinic where people could have a 15-minute chat with me about my tools, uh, the trackers that we have at Bucky Bashing, but also kind of professional gambling, the idea of what you should be targeting. Do you think it's going wrong? Do you want any advice? If every, if anyone wants a 15-minute chat with me, I've opened this clinic up. Now, um, my favorite girl in the world, Vivi, outside of my wife and my daughter, <laughs> my favorite girl in the world in Bucky Bashing, Vivi, um, is organizing all of this. Um, and if you want to have a chat with me, get in touch with her. We'll arrange a 15 minute chat. In the first minute, all the slot, and the first week, all the slots just got filled up. And so if you ask for a chat, it's in a month or two months, just be patient with me. It's just, I don't have, you know, all the time in every single day to do it because I'm primarily focused on you know, get, making sure things are running my own betting and taking the kids to school and picking them up, which eats up way too much time. So, yeah, get in touch if you want to. But um, look, there's three guys in particular. One guy, I don't know what to make of him, right? I'm not, no, there's going to be no names named here, but any time this person has a few losing days in a row... Then the ambulance comes for him. <laughs> uh, anytime this person has a few losing days in a row, they get in touch with us and they ask, um, "Can we? have we changed anything in this tracker? Can we tell them? We can tell them the truth because they're not winning and all their horses have lost. And I'm sorry that all the horses have lost, but here's the nature of the game. The majority of bets lose. The majority of bets lose. The majority of days lose and then you have a winning day. And the winning day pays for the losing days. Um, if you can't understand the variance involved, that you will have a week, two weeks of every day losing in a row, then betting on things like lucky 15s on horses, which can be very high variant, especially... I mean, I don't know what odds this guy was even betting at, so how can I comment? But the consistently, every single few days... I, I haven't had any horses win. I've not, no horses have won. I've only been betting at horses over EV 108 and none have won. Well, look, we can make the horses over 108% EV. We can't make them win. Personal responsibility is twofold. One, understand the data that is being used to go into the debt, the bets. And we make this very transparent at Bookie Bashing. Every bet in every calculation is transparent that you can drill into. Some of the more experienced users in bookie bashing take this information and choose not to bet on certain bets. But coming, it's an interesting that if you come at me and say I've lost money, 
and I'm not happy. I don't know what I meant to do about it because if I just shut it all down, that means that the people that are winning lose out. So it's almost like, I mean, by the way, this is violent. I know that you don't care. But it's almost like I have to suffer these guys that are genuinely upset and maybe in profit in the long run, but don't understand that they can go a week, two weeks losing. It makes me feel awful when they get in touch with me with, like this. I genuinely do also want to know what my reaction is. Cancel their accounts. Ban them. Don't allow them to bet because I don't think that the correct mindset to win. And then I think, well, they're, they're probably a few thousand up long term. It's just the last two weeks have been bad. If you come to me and say, you know, you can't see any odds at William Hill. You can't see any odds at Paddy Power. I can fix that because it means that a scraper has gone wrong. If you come at me and say, I bet on your bets and I've lost, then I'm very sorry. It's just something that I built that we were very confident would make money that a lot of people have made money on, but I can't promise in any particular one horse that you have made money on it. And my preference would be that if you feel uncomfortable, and particularly the one word that this guy uses over and over again, the word unhappy, and I don't think English is his first language, but still, I don't like the thought that anyone's unhappy. Unhappy is very, very... I don't want anyone to be unhappy. You know, I'd like I'd like happy losers and really happy winners. But I don't want unhappy people losing bets that we've told them to get on and coming out and say, saying they've lost money. It's not a good mindset for you. It's actually particularly not a good mindset for me. And so I had to get it out there. The second person, um, that's number one. Number two of three. Uh, I can't name his name. But this person previously asked for compensation because they thought the bookie bashing wasn't um, consistent enough as a service. Um, now, we had, and I don't want to bore you with issues, but we have live trackers. We have live data that we pull in. The trackers update every blah, blah, blahs. And you get to, you get to log on and see information. Now, we host our databases on a server managed by a company called Linode who exists in America. And it, over a period of two weeks, Linode had issue after issue after issue. They kept on crashing. They kept on crashing. And when it crashed, uh, it would reboot. And in a, a small window, five or 10 minutes, nobody could log on to Boogie Bashing. They also kept on crashing in American time. And that meant that it would happen in the middle of the night. Now, let me tell you who works at Bookie Bashing. Other than BB Team and VV doing the marketing uh, and the girl that does the coupons, other than those guys, it's me, Duncan, and Lee. Me and Duncan, dinosaurs, who do the edges and the mathematics. Lee, bright, young, IT whiz guy who does all the IT, and he's a man of one. He's now a man of two because we did bring in someone to support him in IT, but really it's Lee plus one part-time person managing and keeping the site online. Now look at Facebook, look at Twitter. These sites go down occasionally. Look at Odds Monkey, look at Odds Checker, how stale their odds can be. Odds Checker got stale odds all the time. And Odds Checker are multi-billion, well, okay, they're not multi-billion, they're a multi-million pound business. And we've got, Lee, 
to do it all. Lee occasionally has to go to the dentist. Lee occasionally has to pick his kids up from school. And occasionally, some things will go wrong, like the Linode site will go down, and Lee can't immediately do anything about it. Duncan and me have tools. We can reboot stuff, but we certainly can't drill into the code and change anything. One particular morning, Lee had to go to a funeral. We've, I have to go to a funeral. You probably had to go to a funeral. Lee has to go to a funeral. Uh, and Linode was having issues. And the issues actually were that the horse racing tracker couldn't be accessed for about 15 minutes. And then when it could be accessed every 20 minutes for an hour, it would disappear until the system rebooted and then it would reappear. And then about 10 a.m. in the morning, it was stable. So that's it. That's it. That's the issue. And we got a message. And the message was, I know you're aware that the tracker is down again. When will you create a permanent solution? Now, the tracker going down is unfortunate, but it's a fact of life, especially in a small team like we have. Um, So this morning, this particular morning, Lee was at a funeral and I answered the question, when are we going to create a solution I said we're going to cre- we will have a permanent solution to this particular problem this afternoon. In between now and then, the data is going to appear and disappear. And the reply was, "Classic service with a smile." Now, when I received that, I was very tempted to cancel this person's membership. It's like I don't need his money. I don't need his shit. I don't need his hassle. And actually, I don't need Lee, who's going through a particularly personal and emotional time, to be exposed to the pressure that this guy's putting him under. What what was his problem? That he couldn't see data for 20 minutes on a Tuesday morning when he can see data every other minute of the week. I was a bit flippant. I replied, um, our IT man is at a funeral this morning. Would you like me to phone him and ask him to leave. Probably not the best reply, but I haven't studied a degree in um, customer service. And um, the chap's reply was, do not guilt trip me with a situation I didn't know anything about. How about in the future explaining the exact problem with your tech at the earliest juncture? Listen, everyone, I know it's frustrating if you log on and don't see any data. And specifically, it might be frustrating if you log on at 6.30 in the morning and you lo- and you don't you see no data and you don't think anyone's looking at it. And the sad news is, nobody is looking at it at 6.30 in the morning. There have been times recently when Lee's been going to bed trying to fix the architecture at 1 or 2 in the morning. What do you want to do? Have him have four hours sleep? Bear in mind, we are a small team of data servicing professionals. A couple of us on the side of finding where the edges and advantages are, and one on the IT side, and that's it. That's the whole team. We have a finite community that we ca- we will limit when it gets to a particular size. Do not ex- expect us to be more than we are. Um, that guy, and if you're listening, and I mean this, is lucky to still be a member I had actually scripted out the email where I was going to say that, unfortunately, we can't allow you to stay with us anymore. I did decide just to bite my lip to that email and just say, this conversation has ended now. And the last person who was my best friend this month got on 
um, to some serious trolling of me on the betting people interview. And I replied to him and he started deleting my replies. I was trying to be quite courteous in my replies because, of course, if I look like a dickhead to his comments, then I come off bad. And he deleted my comments, my courteous comments. And so I said on YouTube, the fact that my replies get deleted by the nutcase spamming these comments speaks volumes for the validity of the negativity here. Someone is bored. And our friend called Blonowit failed gambler just in capital letters said knob n o b i replied to him it's spelled knob k n o b i thought that was quite a good reply to say the truth and as always if people are trying to upset you trying to initiate or engage some sort of emotion show them that you can brush it off your shoulder very easily and i thought it's spelled k o n a o b did that quite well. He replied, at Thomas Brownlee, and by the way, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I don't understand this reply, but at Thomas Brownlee, oh, like the rusty door knobhead fake account, you tried to add me off your knobber. <laughs> I'm going to go one more time. Oh, like the rusty knobhead fake account, you tried to add me off your knobber. Is that English? And then... I didn't answer, so he followed it up a little bit a few days later. By the way, shouldn't slag peeps grammar when they got more money than ya? That's feckin' stupid, Fanny Better. So there you go. Uh, I shouldn't slag peeps grammar when they got more money than ya. Um, you're wasting your life. You're wasting your life. And... At some point in the near future, we're all going to be dust. And you won't look back and see that you said to me that the rusty knobhead fake account you tried to add me off your knobber, which, by the way, doesn't actually make any sense. You just won't look back on that and think that that was a highlight. Right? Do better. Do better. Try and do better. One day, I would happily... Go for a pint with anyone and sit and talk to them about them, themselves, their experiences, how they could do better and how I could do better. Not you, chap. You have to do better yourself. And I hope that one day you get there. Two new features of Bucky Bashing. One's kind of eh, and the other one's kind of cool. So the kind of uh, one is um, we're going to introduce some confidence ratings and source of information. So if you look at the bet tracker, there's an I. For a long time, the I didn't tell you a lot. Um, um, if there were three teams that were uh, matched in a treble, it would tell you the matches that those three teams were. So let's say it was Huddersfield, Leeds, and Manchester United occasionally, because a bot would match them, the Leeds might be the Leeds rugby team. And so it would be Mega Purple EV, but it wasn't actually Mega Purple EV. You could find that out by pressing the I, and you can see that the bots got it wrong. Okay, so that's kind of standard. Now we're trying to bring in information such as, you know, if we've got shots on target, does it come from the shots on target tool? 
if it's uh, player XG, does that come? Where does that come from? If it's match odds and BTTS, is it the game center? But also things like um, player NFL props, which I've kind of stopped doing. I mean, player NFL props are a weird thing. We had a massive ROI on them, but we couldn't persuade people that they were profitable. So, like, if you look at this season, the, the, was it about 30% ROI? And I stopped putting them up because, unfortunately, it's one of those things that you can... You can tell people I think I've got a profitable strategy, but if people point to places like Bet365 and say, well, the odds are higher here, then, I mean, maybe they're right. Maybe it wasn't a profitable strategy. I thought it was. I was putting them up. But one of the things was that people didn't know where the data was coming from. The data for player props was coming from pff.com. Um, the data from a lot of bets comes from looking at um, the overround at Bet365. Um and of course, you've got to ask yourself the question, where's the value? Is the value at Bet365 or the particular bookmaker that's offering the bet? Um, the thing is, the law of large numbers says that you do that more than often. It can always be the benchmarking source. It can always be Bet365 bet or whatever. So um, the handicaps as well. Oh, by the way, the handicaps. We threw up an interesting one with England-Japan this week where our extrapolation outside of the standard about 1.4 to 2 to 1 was fine. And then outside of that, got a bit wonky. Got a little bit weird. Never seen that before. So we suspended high and low odds on the handicap tool until we can work on the extrapolation tool. Anyway, I wasn't going to go there. Essentially, the confidence will give you a 1 to 5 or 0 to 5 confidence rating of how confident we are on the calculation of that bet. Sometimes we're very confident. Sometimes... We're taking a stab. You know, if they if you're offered, I don't know, one thousand to one on three numbers on the national lottery. Well we know exactly what the odds of that are and the EV is, that's five out of five. If we are benchmarking something against somewhere where we're not entirely sure where the source is entirely reliable, that might be a three or a two or a one out of five. The only issue just now is that we're trying to automate it. And loads of, well, almost all of the confidence is black. Black means we haven't done it yet. It's a work in progress. Leave it with us. We're going to fill this in over the next month, two months, three months, and everything like that. In about six months' time, there will be no blacks. So the confidence will be working. But we had to sort of get the IT functionality in place first before we did the logic. That's the boring bit. The, the less boring bit is... The group tracking stuff. This is the cool bit. This is something that I've been pushing for for ages, right? Very often on a Saturday morning, uh, I've got a WhatsApp group with my runners out in shops. And I want them to get on bets. And I know the bets are good. And I know the bets could be tracked live. But I know that they're not going to be in shop until 11 o'clock and I'm working at 9 o'clock. And I know at 11 o'clock I've got to take the kids swimming. So what I want to do is log some live bets, and if they're still good when they get to shop, they can bet on them. But unfortunately, the way things work, only my private bets go to my private tracker. And I don't want to share them with the community, and other people don't want to share them with the bookie bashing community, because as soon as 500 people know there's a purple bet out there, they bet on it, and the edge goes. So I always wanted the ability for me to be able to send bets to my runners and my team um, and for me to just disappear, not be around whilst they're in shop. And what they can do is they can log on to a tracker 
and they can see the bets that I put up earlier, and maybe they've got better, they can bet on them, and maybe they've got worse, and they wouldn't bet on them. And goddamn, I would have saved a lot of money in my past if they could have done this because I have told them, get on these bets, and then two hours later they get on them, but the bets aren't good at that point anymore. So this ability to send private bets to my group is fun, is something I've pushed for for ages. Well, now, not only can I, but everyone that has a Bookie Bashing subscription can. Um, setting up a group, go to the bet tracker, go to, so you'll see a few tabs at the top, bet tracker, add bet, look at group tracker, and under that, my groups, go and click on that. You can create a group, give it any name, give it a password. You'll be given an ID for the group and you can send that to all your mates, all your runners, all your team and everything like that. And they can join. Then go to the bet builder and if you send bets, choose the correct tracker. You can choose the private tracker or you can choose the private group tracker. And if you choose the private group tracker, everybody in your group will see that bet. Just now, everybody in every group that you're in can see that bet. Now, you might not want everyone in every group to see the bet, but just now that is what has to happen because going down the route of sending bets to individual groups is exponentially more complicated than it is just now. But if you've got a group, you've got two or three mates that you want to share bets between, then super easy. Create a group, give each other the group ID, send bets to that group, and then navigate to the bet tracker and navigate over to the group tracker and you will see those private bets that everyone in your group has sent to each other. You can all see them. You can all bet on them. Runners can bet on them and things like that. And look, it's one of those things we've added. Maybe nobody cares. But I know for me and my groups, it's going to make a significant difference. And if you're taking this, if anyone's taking this professionally and they've they're in a team and they're sharing bets. This is going to be a seriously uh, excellent enhancement. Right. Whatever you're doing this weekend, I hope you're betting on value. Let's come back just after the start of the World Cup next week and see how things are going. And I will give you an update of the most important story of the week. And that is exactly what happened with the bloody tooth fairy. This is Tom signing out.